Lightyear Entertainment, folks, the people who brought you The Return of Swamp Thing. Hi, I'm Jim Wynorski. I'm the director of the film that you're about to see. Uh, it was produced in 1988 by Lightyear, uh, and two of the finest producers I've ever worked with, uh, Michael Uselin and ben Men Benjamin Melnicker, and uh, who also produced Batman and all the sequels. This film was shot in Savannah, Georgia, and uh, in the actual swamps. Uh, if you listen closely here, you can hear Chuck Serino, the composer, do kind of a riff on uh, Once Upon a Time in the West by Morricone. Um, but this is actually in a swamp in uh, Savannah, Georgia. We went down there and put a lot of dry ice in the, uh, the water, and they actually came in a day before and fenced off the swamp and uh, went through and tried to kill all the alligators that were actually running around the swamp. In fact, we, there are off-screen guys with guns trained on the water just beyond the camera range uh, in case any gators tried to get into the fenced area where we were shooting. And uh, if you don't think that's scary, well, it is. Uh, we were out there in the, in the evening through the night wearing waders, and um, at one point I looked over and I saw a big, what looked like a taillight in the water reflecting uh, back from the, one of the Klieg lights. And I said, what's that? It looks like a car. And he says, no, no, that's an alligator eye. And I said, oh my god. So you're walking around the swamp just like these guys, half in the water, and you hit a branch or something beneath the water and whoa, you like jump out of the water because it's so scary. You think you've hit something alive. Um, anyway, it was very nasty. There was about a million bugs, lots of snakes, we had to bring the uh, Moscow lights down, which are these big Klieg lights which we put up in the sky. We had to bring them down every couple of hours because a lot of wasps and uh, moths and all kinds of uh, swamp bugs would uh, impale themselves on the light and just burn. And finally, it would get so thick uh, it would cut down on our lights. So we had to come down. They had to come down with the light every couple of hours and brush these thousands of bugs off. Uh, these fellas. Uh, these revenuers um, are played by uh, Bill Udaly, uh, J. Don Ferguson, Jim Grimshaw, and Anthony Sears. Anthony Sears plays the um, uh, lead guy here, Dugan, who's uh, going to go take the wrong direction. The one guy who doesn't talk, I don't remember his name because it's uh, been 14 years, but uh, uh, Lightyear only wanted to pay uh, for four guys to talk, and they said, well, get an extra to play the other guy. So I can't tell you his name. However, it was nasty. Lots of um, humidity, and it, you were cold and hot at the same time. And I think I put that line somewhere in the in the dialogue because it was so um, so horrible down there. All the stunts in this film, like uh, the one you're about to see, were done by a very fine stuntman uh, and his team, uh, Tony Caesar, and uh, who had worked with me on uh, 976 Evil 2 just um, a couple of months before. We built this sort of like weird camera rig, a, uh, a box that could be submersed in water, and we put the camera in there and it would be watertight and we got it down at water level for a lot of different scenes. And uh, we tied this guy's uh, legs up with wires and pulled the stuntman down into the water. It was kind of effective.
That's Anthony Sears with the glasses on, and next to him is uh, with the crazy hat on is J. Don Ferguson. If you've ever seen a movie um, made uh, in the South, it probably has uh, J. Don Ferguson in it. He uh, is a very fine character actor who is uh, uh, who lives down in that area, and uh, I think he made at least 50, 60 films. He's been in a lot of great ones, and he's also in this one. We couldn't get this hat to float. We had to put like a balloon or something inside this hat because it kept sinking in the water. Um, and again, the dry ice budget was huge. We were continually throwing dry ice in this uh, in this uh, lake bed or with this, this swamp bed. And there it is, the first appearance of Leech Band. This is before the age of uh, digital effects, folks, so uh, we were just living with monsters uh, in reality. And um, there he is, J. Don Ferguson saying, shoot that thing, which became kind of the motto of uh, the whole show. This was shot pretty much early on in the film, and shoot that thing was the uh, credo of the entire crew for uh, the whole shoot, which was a pretty long and arduous, very hot and humid 24 days. These guys were uh, mighty glad to get out of the uh, swamp water. It was uh, it was pretty nasty, as was I. I think this was the end of the first night right there. We got him out of the water, and uh, this, I think, picked up night two. And this was the first appearance of um, Dick DeRock, who had played Swamp Thing in the Wes Craven uh, movie which was the first Swamp Thing adventure. And um, he came back in this one uh, with a, um, what I thought, a better suit. That's Monique Gabrielle, fine actress who I'd worked with uh, a number of times before this picture uh, in Deathstalker 2 and uh, um, a couple of other films, Transylvania Twist and Not of This Earth. And um, she did a very fine job in this movie, playing kind of a a James Bondian villainous. I always have to, I had to admire Dick DeRock because um, this suit must have weighed at least 50 or 60 pounds. And it was all foam rubber and uh, you'd put this thing on and you, you had nowhere to breathe. Your skin couldn't breathe. You had to breathe through your nose and... Uh, this guy, who was so so muscular and so strong, he was out there doing all these very, very strenuous fight scenes. Um, here he comes now. He's about to be uh, uh, go to the rescue of this uh, gentleman. There he is. Uh, and um, this suit, again, 50, 60 pounds of uh, foam rubber and, and all kinds of paint, and there was nothing. You couldn't even go... Um, to the um, to the bathroom when you had this thing on, you had to just kind of hold it because uh, there was no way out of it. And um, he put in a lot of hours, Dick, uh, doing all this uh, fighting and stuff. And he'd take this thing off, and he would be sweating from head to toe. Um, frankly, I don't know how we did it. It was a uh, a real tough job, but no other person could have played Swamping like Dick.
Let's check Serena's uh, Swamp Thing um, theme again. Um, sort of like uh, another tribute to uh, Ennio Morricone. The one thing that uh, Lightyear didn't like was uh, Dick's voice, so they uh, they revoiced him um, somewhere after I had left the film. I don't know who they used, um, but uh, they sure should have used Dick's voice because he had a good voice and he did a nice job in the uh, acting department. But uh, I guess someone uh, at the top said uh, we'd have to change it. I just don't remember who they got. One of the nice things of uh, doing this film was uh, this main title sequence. Uh, I was able to go get a number of comic book covers from um, DC, and uh, we took them and we cut them all up and uh, made ourselves a um, kind of real fun opening title sequence. Um, I'd always been a fan of the Swamp Thing uh, comics, and um, I thought some of the artwork that had adorned the covers was some of the best ever. Bernie Wrightson and, and a number of other fine artists uh, really did a, some of their finest work on this uh, character. And um, I always liked the uh, opportunity here of uh, using uh, the, comic, the real comic book covers as our main title sequence. And there's Dick's name. He's a uh, retired now, but... Uh, I still see him around. He uh, appears at uh, science fiction conventions and uh, other Hollywood functions. Leslie Rosenthal worked with me um, at my days at Roger Corman's Concord. Um, and um, Steve Neal had worked on the first thing I'd ever worked on um, uh, back when I first came to LA. It was a show, a pilot called Starstruck. It's kind of like a Star wars thing. Rob Wilson King, you've seen his work zillions of times in much bigger films than this. Uh, he had a good time kind of working on this show because it was a, uh, a fun outing for him. He wanted to do something different. Charles Mitchell, I don't know what happened to Chuck Mitchell, but Tom Kuhn has now uh, become a, uh, another big-time producer out here in Hollywood, and I see him occasionally. Um, he's still going strong. Ben and Michael, um, just wonderful guys. And there I am. This was the first day of shooting again. We, we kind of split the day and started in the, in the daytime um, and then walk, worked our way into the evening. Um, this is Heather Lockwood's first appearance at the picture. I don't know who, who came up with this goo idea, but um, in the original script, uh, she was supposed to talk to flowers. And, uh, and be kind of like enamored with plants. I felt it was a little weird, but um, everybody seemed to like it, so I shot it. And uh, we put all the names of the producers on the flower pots, and uh, so they sort of got their names in the film without uh, giving it too much away. And also, the... Uh, the lady at the TV was a um, was an extra, and uh, they had just sent her over just to sort of uh, be in the background at the flower store. And I said, "Oh, she's she should be the the assistant here at the flower store." So we put her in front of the TV, and 
it kind of gave Heather someone to talk to. Heather Locklear um, was one of the sweetest people I ever worked with. She's a, she's a very good actress, and um, she did a, a fine job in this movie. She even was willing to parody herself here by the T.J. Hooker uh, joke that she delivers here. And um, she did a really nice job. She had never done anything like this before, and uh, I don't think she's ever done it again, but uh, this was uh, kind of a fun thing for her. Her, her husband then, uh, Tommy Lee, came down to the set, and uh, on weekends when we had time off, everybody would go out partying and drinking and having a good time. This was a um, big house in... Um, I believe it was outside of the outskirts of Savannah, and it was sort of like a museum. And Rob Wilson King bought, built the entire facade of the house out in the, the front, on the side of the museum, and made it look like the front of a house. This um, house is, of course, not inside there. It is somewhere else, somewhere else in, in uh, Savannah. And um, now we're in a set which was built in a, a kind of think of a a truck or a motor hangar somewhere out in uh, the outskirts of Savannah again. It was a pretty big place, and uh, it was one of the hottest places I've ever been. And the humidity was tremendous. You'd go in there, you'd sweat immediately. Um, but um, we got through it. It was the toughest part of the movie to shoot. It was down in this, uh, inside this strange, cavernous uh, comic book. Uh, mad, mad scientist lab. These were all his weird mutations. Um, some of them kind of worked, some of them didn't. Um, but after you know working with uh, the very low budgets of Roger Corman, uh, this was a, a very big budget, and I was able to actually go back for a wide shot occasionally like this and uh, show the place off. There were. Um, Zillions of bugs and uh, lizards and things living in this uh, this uh, motor hangar, and uh, they they made this uh, set their home for about uh, a week while we were shooting in this uh, this building. That's Ace Bask, uh, the guy with the mustache there, not this guy, but the guy standing up in the blue uniform. He's been in a number of my pictures, always plays a uh, kind of a crazy doctor or a, a scientist. Uh, in this film, he plays a character named Dr. Rochelle, which is the same name of a character he'd played uh, about six months earlier in another film I did with Tracy Lords called Not of This Earth. So when he came down to uh, play this uh, part, I uh, renamed the character Dr. Rochelle because he had just played that character. So I thought it was kind of a cool thing to bridge the two characters and have them play the same role. Although this character it's himself is, a, is just a little bit crazier than the Dr. Rochelle from Not of This Earth. Louis Jordan, let me tell you about Louis Jordan. He's a fantastic actor. He's been in, he's in so many, so many big films. Um, Gigi and all these other pictures. And um, he was kind of tough to deal with. He was, uh, he had, he'd, he'd brought a lot of um, baggage from MGM and the, and the big shows and uh, again this was not a big show uh, in his mind and uh, he had just come off the James Bond picture and um, 
it was a little difficult working with him, but um, uh, we got along. Sarah Douglas, um, a, a real trooper. She had been in Superman 1 and 2 and uh, a number of other pictures. And uh, she was, uh, you know, hired to play the villainous uh, love interest for Louis Jordan and, and did a spectacular job. A lot of the actors we pulled from uh, down there in Savannah, one of them was um, this, this gentleman on your left, uh, Ralph Pace. Uh, I believe this is his last film. Uh, I don't know whether he retired or passed away, but um, he was quite funny when he came in. And uh, we hired him on the spot. And um, he came in to just a fine job as the, as the bumbling county sheriff. I checked his credits on the Internet Movie Database a couple of days ago before I came in to do the commentary, and um, I couldn't find another credit for him after 1988 or this picture. Maybe just retired. Hopefully, he's still around. That lurking uh, bad guy with the goatee and the mustache in the background is uh, actor Joey Segal, who um, you might remember from The Hidden. He's the guy that uh, Claudia Christian um, kills in the car once she's turned into an alien. He did um, a number of good auditions for the producers, and he had this very, very snickering laugh. And uh, that's why we hired him. Taxi cab driver was our um, unit liaison production person. His name is Al Cooper, and... He was always just up and happy, and uh, uh, I said, Al, why don't you play the taxi driver? And uh, he says, I've never been an actor, but he just jumped right in and did this scene as if he'd uh, been in front of the camera all his life. And now we're back with Ralph and Louie. This house that they're in um, was uh, a very famous house in Savannah, Georgia. It was supposedly haunted, and um, they let us film there. I never saw a ghost while I was there, but um, it had a very creepy feel about it. It was, uh, had all this old antique furniture, and uh, it was kept up very well. And uh, But at night, after we... Uh, finished filming, it did have a kind of very, very creepy, haunted mansion, Disney-esque kind of feel to it. You didn't want to stay there alone. Louis always wanted to do things in one take. He just didn't ever, he hated coverage. He would love to do it all just in one take, so um, I did that as much as I could with Louis. A little continuity error that little piece of yellow paper always disappears. It always bothered me, but uh, I think we had only a certain amount of coverage on this, and uh, I didn't want to waste the time with the, him taking that yellow piece of paper off the dash, so we uh, just made it kind of disappear. Now, um... This, um, again, this house is um, 
had all this antique furniture. We were, we were the, the owners, or not the owners, but the, the, I think the state owned it. And um, they let us in there with the proviso that we don't break anything or touch anything. And I and the producers were all both worried that somebody was going to take a light stand or something and break a window or break a, an antique, but it didn't happen. Have a blood sample taken from her. How do we do that? We'll find a way. Lana, I want you to make sure that Abigail is taken care of beautifully. She must be considered as our prized possession. Let's we had a lot of inexperienced people working for uh, for uh, for us who were very, um, very enthusiastic, however. And uh, I remember we had one PA and... Uh, we had to have uh, Heather Locklear seem as tall as um, Louie. Louie's very tall. And when they walk up here, I had to build a little um, bridge for um, her to walk on so that she seemed a little taller than, you know, than she was. So I called, um, in, the, in Hollywood, we have a thing called uh, an apple box, which is something you stand on. And... Uh, and sometimes it's too tall, and you, you have what they call a half apple. So at one point I just yelled, get me a half apple for Heather. And about six people came back with actual apples cut in half on a silver platter with a doily and gave it to Heather. And I said, well, there you go. There's six half apples for Heather. But they were very nice and very enthusiastic, and the, the people of Savannah were just wonderful while we were shooting there. Two of the people I'd like to thank, um, when we have a moment here just while they're talking, um, are two of the friends of mine who um, helped me rewrite some of the script. And that was uh, Steve Mitchell, who uh, wrote Against the Law and Chopping Mall for me. And also um, good friend John Terleski, who now is uh, directing movies himself, um, also came in to uh, rewrite some of the scenes with the two kids that were um, all changed from the original script. And um, both of them did a fabulous job um, punching up some of the dialogue and uh, making it play a little bit better. The um, place as you see it here is again a, um, a house in Savannah. A uh, very nice house uh, that was... Um, Everybody had to go around on tiptoe because everybody was afraid to knock over a vase. They even had an organ in this uh, in this place, which uh, they allowed me to play a couple of times um, and, and use uh, Louis uh, at the organ, sort of doing his mad scientist thing. I think it shows up later on in the movie. Sarah looks very sexy here. She uh, was always uh, trying to outdo Heather a little bit. And uh, I think they make a good contrast together. One of the things Lightyear that didn't give me on this film was a crane, okay? So um, I used a, um, a little thing they used to raise lights up to uh, put my camera on. And I uh, got this little crane shot that takes us up from the first floor to the second floor. Um, Lightyear, however, did uh, give me a lot of uh, uh, free reign on this picture, and um, 
they were very nice and uh, really did a nice job uh, in producing the film. Uh, Chuck Mitchell, Tom Kuhn, is also a guy in New York uh, named Arnie Holland who um, uh, shares a namesake with uh, the lead character in this movie, who's also named Holland. You're not showing any signs yet, are you? But and there's all, you know, little low-budget pictures. You must uh, make a concession here or there. And uh, one of them was this painting on the wall. Um, it wasn't a very good painting of Louis, but uh, we had to use it. I think it was painted the night before by an artist who uh, just was a little too rushed. So later on in, in effects, we gave it sort of like a, uh, again, a Disney Haunted Mansion effect. And um, I think it worked out fine. So we had all our rain towers, and we also went out to a place called Uncle Sheds. This is um, our, a real place. I don't think they had that sign, but um, I think they kept the sign after we left. It was a fishing cabin village out in the middle of this incredible vast swamp and you had to drive through at least a half an hour's worth of swamp to get there this fine little gentleman here is a guy named Daniel Taylor making his uh, film debut in this picture um, he's all of eight years old and uh, it was just a natural he, he would as soon as you turn the camera on he started mugging and uh, uh, we looked at a lot of kids, and um, we found him, and he's, he, I just said, man, this kid is uh, going to be the cute, the cute scene in the, in the picture. And uh, he's sort of like, a, to me, he was like a young John Candy. Um, the fellow he's talking to is another smart aleck kid uh, named Ron Rico Lee. And uh, these guys were like uh, the Laurel and Hardy of uh, Return of Swamp Thing. They were fantastic. They were willing to do almost anything uh, I asked them to do and, and try to make it good. Ron Rico actually um, is enjoying a career. He's uh, still acting. Yeah, he just did a movie called, I believe, Jacked. Uh, he's uh, must be about 20, 22, 23. And um, uh, he's doing very good. Uh, Daniel has lost all the weight. And uh, he himself is uh, just uh, was last seen in a film called Road Trip which was made down in Alabama. And uh, so he's still acting. So I feel I started them both. This was a scene that was hard to do. Every kid wanted to break into his dad's uh, playboys. And I figured while the parents were out, these kids would want to sneak into dad's playboys. And um, the trouble was getting all these men's magazines where I didn't have any nudity showing because it was a, a family movie. And so we had to really look carefully and, and paste pages together to make sure we never saw any nudity. And these kids who had uh, were big Swamp Thing fans and um, they just loved being out there with uh, Dick DeRock and getting their picture taken with um, Swamp Thing. And... All the rain and explosions and uh, fighting and everything else. Uh, um, they were, and staying up all night, they felt like they had gone to heaven. 
and they were so good at doing uh, these little takes with each other. And uh, again, this uh, Rob was Rob Wilson King built this entire house out there in the middle of Uncle Shed's, um, and uh, painted it, made it, made it our actual building. And um, we had um, about seven or eight rain towers that Bob Shelley, a special effects guy, had set up. So every time I held action, there would be rain, lightning, thunder. It was kind of it was pretty amazing. This fight scene took um, practically all night to shoot because of all the uh, logistics. We had explosions. We had um, big fire scenes. And we had to make sure the kids were protected. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken... Um, Leech Man was played by um, a stuntman named Chris Doyle, who um, uh, was doing a lot of uh, amazing stunts at the time. We bought all these cars uh, with the express purpose of blowing them up and breaking them up, and uh, Dick and uh, Chris did an amazing job of fighting with all this, you know, rubber and masks and rain and they were just sort of bogged down we, when we did that explosion there we just blew the hell out of this place the kids didn't want to go away we just we the, the kids wanted to stay and see it so we, uh, we let them we were protecting them as much as possible but they kept saying well we want to see you explode so i think the kid and me wanted to see it all explode too i said as long as we built it we're going to blow it and um so a lot of these reactions I just filmed on the kids were just what they were thinking and what they were saying at the time. Um, little Daniel um, has a great line here, which is he just ad lip. He says, I think that green guy is good. And I said, oh, I got to keep that. Because I just would turn the camera on and um, let them go. And... Um, They would just make up stuff, and I said, "Well, that's I, I couldn't I couldn't write it as good as that." So we took these this wonderful little photo of them not 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 trying to give away Swamp Thing's identity, and uh, excuse me, folks, I had a little sip of Coca Cola, and um, now we're back at the house, and I, it's not time for talk. Monique looks sensational there, and. Um, this footage, believe it or not, was shot in the Philippines. Um, all this helicopter with the explosion in the water was uh, done in the Philippines. This was done in, back in Savannah. And, um, but I, I just wanted to open it up a little bit more than the ATVs. And so we shot these, eight, you know, I think, believe it or not, the associate producer, Nitzel Rillo, um, shot some of this as uh, background stock footage. And she did a nice job. Uh, again, this is also the Philippines, the boat in the water there. They're all supposed to be looking for a swamp thing. And uh, when we got to shooting the sequence, it was uh, just a little small. So um, we went to Roger Corman, who had made a lot of films in the Philippines, and I knew everything that was there. And I said, well, why don't we use some footage from this? And he allowed us to use it. Heather looks nothing short of sensational in this film. Every time you see her, she's got something great on. And um, 
I remember just going um, to with in Savannah. There's a big pier, and we go down there, and they'd have these buckets of shrimp and champagne, and and uh, a whole slew of us would always go down there after work and uh, go to these places and listen to music and eat Cajun shrimp, and it was just about the best you could imagine. Um, and um, uh, the whole town wanted to get a glimpse of Heather because she was so famous at the time. And um, I just remember that one night with a cop, we were, I think we were making kind of a, a loud racket and the cops came and when they saw who it was, they just, uh, we all got in the cop car and they, they gave us a tour of Savannah or something. And, and nobody ever got taken to the Who's Gal in this film, even though probably a few of us deserved it because we were just making such a racket all the time. We basically took over two hotels and um, uh, there was loud music and playtime every, every night after, after work if we were shooting uh, days. And if we were shooting nights, there'd be loud music and playtime during the day because I don't think anybody ever slept on this show. Everybody used Sunday which was our day off to um, do their laundry at the local uh, laundromat. So, I, except for Louie, everybody would be in the laundromat around 1 o'clock in the afternoon after they had brunch doing their laundry for the week. It was kind of crazy to see all the stars and just the actors and the crew all together in the uh, local laundromat in Savannah, which there was only one of, doing, uh, doing their clothes. It's Cleavage Central here at the uh, Savannah Mansion. And um, again, Sarah Douglas fighting for the uh, Cleavage Award. It's a magazine you don't see on every newsstand, but uh, I thought it worked well. Monique Gabrielle, who uh, is staying with Joey Segal here, had been. Uh, recommended to me by a, a good friend uh, named Bob Greenberg, and I talked with her on the phone a couple times, several years before Swamp Thing, and uh, I kind of got to like her, and over the phone, and we met, and um, she told me she had been in Bachelor Party, and she was the Tom Hanks dream girl in Bachelor Party. And then I saw that film, I said, oh my God, I gotta meet this girl, I'm talking to her on the phone. Anyway, we met, and I, brought her with me to uh, Argentina to make Death Stalker 2, which was her first leading role. And then I put her in uh, a small but comedic role in uh, Not of This Earth. Then when I made this picture, um, of course we needed Heather Locklear in the lead, but I gave her uh, the role of Miss Poinsettia. And um, she did a fantastic job in this film. Um, these two guys, Clyde and Gerdell, two kind of inbred, hills have eyes type guys, uh, were played by uh, Tim Birch there, the blonde guy, and Alex Van, uh, the guy with the yellow hat. Actually, they both have yellow hats, but the guy with the yellow t-shirt is Alex Van. Alex Van has had a kind of a career. He's done a lot of films. Um, I don't believe Tim Birch uh, pursued acting after this, but he did a nice job anyway. Um, this whole set here, the still set, was created by Rob Wilson King out of nothing. And uh, when I got there that night and saw how well it was uh, constructed, I said, oh, my God, we got a beautiful still set here. Let's get a couple shots. And I kind of altered the dialogue. 
and they were just practicing and having a damn fine time. Um, Rob Wilson King, uh, again, at, the, at his finest here, doing sort of like a Disney-esque version of uh, the South. Um, this dialogue was uh, kind of fun from the original script. I never found out who actually wrote this script. It was, uh, there were two fake names on it, and uh, no one ever really fessed up to who actually wrote it. Uh, I did a lot of rewriting on it uh, because of location changes and character changes. And as I said, Steve Mitchell and John Trulisky helped me work on it too. Uh, we didn't have a shot of Swamp Thing coming into the scene, so uh, it, it didn't work. So we used this other reverse shot from when he first appeared, and there it is. And uh, we had to use it. And we didn't want him to kill anybody, so we just had him uh, kind of take care of these people without too much uh, ado. I didn't want him to. I didn't want him to kill a hillbilly. Hillbillies are good. So um, anyway, they take off, and now it's time for a little romance. And um, you can hear Chuck's music, uh, Chuck Serino's music, just sort of kick in here and kind of create a mood. And um, by this time, Heather had become very used to Dick DeRock and the outfit. So it wasn't like she was talking to a uh, guy in a suit, you know? She had just sort of, like, come used to it, and uh, she played a very, you know, natural, and uh, uh, Dick was sort of uh, happy to go along with it, and he kind of did a nice work with her, too. I just wish they had kept his original voice because he did some nice, work, you know, audio work, too. you got to be kidding. This is for real? I don't understand. How can that be? If I tell you about our king, you'll understand. Please. They wanted to uh, reference the first film, so they bought some footage from um, the original Wes Craven Swamp Thing, which uh, shows up here. So I tried to use all the action footage without showing anybody's faces. I think Nicholas Worth is seen here briefly. Um, but um, Ray Wise and all the people from the first film are... are sort of kept under wraps. There's Louie and Nick Worth. This was a pretty spectacular stunt from the first one, um, which was shot in Louisiana, I believe, and not in uh, Georgia. Your stepfather found me, and I killed him. I don't know if they've uh, released it again since this time, but... Uh, I was, uh, I was amused to hear that uh, Swamp Thing, uh, the original one, was just uh, recalled by MGMUA because they accidentally put out the uh, international edition, which had a lot of uh, Adrian Barbeau nudity in it. Some mother in Texas went uh, ballistic when her kid put on Swamp Thing, and uh, suddenly MGM had to recall all their uh, DVDs. It's kind of a, <laughs> a shock to the system, I guess. And, I think those, uh, those rare few that got out are selling for big bucks on eBay. That's Kevin Schmidt, who was the production liaison. We gave him a line in the picture. There, there's the, uh, this big action scene was shot along a little trail of swamp um, very near Uncle Shed's. And... Um, 
when Swamp Thing goes in the water here, we had to make sure that he uh, didn't actually sink in because it was like almost like quicksand out there. And uh, we had a few people walk in there and have difficulty getting out. So he put down some plastic there so that he wouldn't sink. And thanks to Leslie Rosenthal here, he, he uh, explodes in a big uh, ball of flame there. She, uh, we had a, a mock swamp thing to put in there, and then we blew it up and matched the same location. She sort of did a little sweet edit there that made it all look like it was all happening at once. Um, Lightyear, after they saw the print, uh, wanted to make sure that the audience knew that Swampy was not dead. And uh, uh, even though we shot this here in... Uh, Savannah. This next shot is shot in Malibu Creek in Los Angeles. Uh, that's Mark Persley in the, on the right there. He was the assistant editor. And we went out to the um, Malibu Creek here in Los Angeles and shot this little scene here where we actually saw a bit of Swampy uh, crack light up and go under the water. So we knew that Swampy wasn't dead. I don't know why they wanted it, but they wanted it. So we went and shot it. There's one of uh, Rob Wilson King's uh, great mad laboratory scenes. He built this great machine that had these chairs that would transfer energy from one body to another. This is a case where I also uh, Louis wanted to keep the take as a uh, as a oneer, but it was so long, I had to kind of fight him on it and make sure that he uh, did it all with 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 close-ups and things because it was just a uh, too long to stay in a winter. Your mother worked with us, and her death was the unfortunate side effect of our mutual experiments. Her genetic code was perfect, just like yours, by the way. You're mad! I never felt saner. I never felt saner. That's another line that Louis actually came up with on the set, and I said, well, that's very ingenious. Let's use that. And uh, um, I also have to credit the uh, effects guys here. Um, Again, this is all pre-digital uh, and CGI. And uh, I had used an effects company called Motion Opticals uh, on some of my earlier shows like Chopping Mall and uh, Big Bad Mama 2. And a uh, good fellow named Jim Stewart uh, and uh, a friend of mine, Linda Oberlil, ran the company. And they did all the effects for this movie. One of the employees of Motion Opticals at the time was Kevin Kuchaver, who later went on to form uh, Flat Earth Productions uh, and do all the effects for uh, Hercules and uh, Xena. And uh, he's an also a good, good friend of mine. Louis in his silk pajamas. What could be more attractive? Anyway, um, the reason we uh, did the uh, inhaler in uh, Ace's uh, scenes all the time, he... Uh, there's a big scene at the end, and I need to ha make sure that the audience would know exactly who the monster was. So uh, we gave him this inhaler to seal the deal throughout the whole picture. There's another Rob Wilson King uh, special. He built this entire um, pond and everything outside of the house. And uh, we 
pulled the uh, this gloppy goo into the pipes from uh, off camera, and uh, then uh, Jim and Kevin and Linda put all the uh, special effects on it later. Again, this was way before CGI, so this was all done with sort of cartoon uh, rotoscoping. But genuinely effective for this comic book type of film. Of course, this is where Sarah Douglas learns that uh, even she is expendable. Uh, despite her uh, love for uh, Louis here, he's willing to uh, sell her down the river uh, to get what he needs, which is a sort of a rejuvenation formula. The same thing he was looking for in uh, part one. And um, since I didn't think there'd be a part three, we said, well, we'll take care of him at the end of, uh, at the end of this one. But leave it open enough so if they did ever do part three and he'd still could be resurrected. This scene here, we had to cut the jail bars so I could get a better close-up. As you can see, we sort of hacksawed them so that uh, I wasn't looking through uh, jail bars. I didn't want to disturb her close-up with uh, some jail bars. We figured no one would mind or care. Uh, she's so tiny, she probably could fit through that hole, but uh, um, we figured this was a scene with uh, her and Joey sort of like sparring verbally and uh, we let it go, had a good time. Joey was, a, you know, even though he's playing a creep, he's a very, very sweet guy, nice guy. His father was, uh, uh, actually his sister is Katie Seagal who was on the uh, um, Married with Children show for a long time. She played the, uh, the wife on uh, Peg Bundy on that show. The shower was on a set because uh, we had to have all this green goo come into the uh, through the pipes on the bathtub. So uh, it's sort of a, uh, a patio tub. I don't know what the, what you'd call it. But again, Rob King did an incredible job uh, creating images here. Of course, we had all this uh, stuff. He was sort of mixing with two different pipes on the other side and and adding the cartoon uh, sparkles and everything at the, because uh, we had to create Swamp Thing from uh, the idea of Swamp Thing coming up through the pipes. And um, Chuck Serino here is going absolutely out of his mind with uh, this, creating this sort of like fugue. Um, he was a, uh, he's a terrific composer. Now he's directing and and producing his own shows, but at this time he was composing quite a, a lot of music for myself and Fred Olin Ray and a number of other, other people. He was, you know, sometimes doing 12, 13 scores a year. Uh, this was one of his best, and he uh, created quite a nice atmosphere. Let me also say something about uh, the director of photography on the show, uh, Zoran Hochstetter. Um, Zoran was a, uh, a Hungarian uh, who I met um, a year before uh, when I did Not of This Earth. And I only had 12 days to shoot that show. And uh, I was also working with Tracy Lords, who had never really acted in a, in a real movie before. And I needed someone to make it look good and uh, make it look good fast. And uh, Zorin did an incredible job with um, that 12-day show that when I um, got this, I took him along. And he um, 
went along and did a, an incredible job lighting this, uh, all these sets and things. He uh, ended up shooting about 12 to 14 movies for me over the course of the last uh, 12, 13 years. Now he's returned back to Yugoslavia and um, is shooting commercials there. I also believe he's working in the feature industry there too, but uh, uh, his heart was always uh, in Europe. But he did some incredible work for me here. Where are you going now? Don't leave me! We're just starting! Again, this elevator was uh, built in two places. It was built at the, uh, the Mad Lab, and then it was also uh, taken apart and reconstructed in a hallway in this uh, house that uh, we rented in Savannah. Take it. Walk right outside. One of the strange things about uh, uh, movie making here is that you can you can stretch a small piece of uh, property and make it into uh, you know a quarter of a mile long if you want to. Um, the distance between the porch of this house and um, the gate could have been more than, you know, 25, 30 yards. But when Swamp Thing and Heather Locklear take off for the, uh, from the front of the house to, the, to get to the gate, I think they, they must travel at least a quarter of a mile of screen time um, where they're shooting and bombs are going off. And we shot it from a number of different camera angles and uh, uh, turned it into a quite an exciting chase sequence. There's Tony Caesar right there. He's the stunt coordinator. That's Rex Pearson next to him. And uh, he later plays uh, the mutated Rochelle creature, which you'll see later in the picture. Tony's not an actor, so we had to loop him here. He was uh, kind of, uh, couldn't say the line correctly, so we uh, had to have somebody loop him. Rex takes it right in the chin there. and. Uh, Here comes the chase. The chase is on. A couple of punches. And um, Louis is upset. And again, this is a car chase where we had to uh, stretch it out. We only had about, you know, 25, 35 yards between the front of the house and the gate. But as you can see, we're about to, we're about to go a quarter mile here. We had the camera mounted to the front of the Jeep. And just, again, this took, I think, half a night to shoot. That was Michael Uslan going by there. If you can, you're on your DV, you can step frame it back. The guy with the glasses and the mustache who first runs in that one shot where they're in the house, that was Michael Uslan, produced Batman. I don't think Ben ever made it into the picture. Again, it's still a long road to the front gate. Not bad. Finally. I have to thank Leslie Rosenthal, my uh, editor, for using almost every piece of footage I shot that night and uh, creating that little uh, editorial extravaganza. Gross! Hold it. Give me your knife. 
I think this was like some toothpaste uh, that uh, we tinted green or something, and then we put some grass or something on it. It wasn't too creative, but um, it worked. Anyway, here come the kids again. I always put my place in the, in, in the place of the kids in these movies, and I say, what would I do if I was a real kid in this movie? And, of course, the first thing you'd want to do if you were a kid, you'd want to get a shot of this thing and try to sell it to uh, the Inquirer or something. So um, that was my plan, which is something I actually injected into the script here. Um, they really would want to meet up with the thing they'd want to, Make some money. Kids always want to make some money, and that's what I um, did with this crate. Um, and also, now here we go. This is a. This was the, one of the ugliest swamps ever. Um, and another trivia. I, I would mention his name a million times. Rob King came in and made the swamp gorgeous, and of course Heather contributed to that. Um, and um, we put flowers everywhere. We we. And Zorin, of course, shot it with a kind of a mist. And um, this was supposed to be the uh, the love scene between um, Heather and Swampy. And uh, I got here, and I really kind of did not know what to do. Here was a here was a, a giant swamp creature, and we had uh, Heather, who was uh, not going to do a love scene with a with Swamp Thing. So. Um, we had to figure out something to do, and I, I spoke to um, all concerned. We got we brought in a um, one of the stuntmen on the show uh, to play a, um, a sort of good-looking version of Swamp Thing. When uh, I figured, okay, Swamp Thing's got all kinds of herbs and uh, and uh, potuses on his, on his body, so why not pull a, a tuber and um, and use it as sort of a magic mushroom. And um, I had to couch it in a couch, couch it carefully because I didn't want anybody to get the wrong idea. But uh, it still ended up uh, getting a couple laughs when uh, it ran theatrically. And when we pan up, we actually dissolved to uh, more of a misty filter and came back down. I forgot this gentleman's name, but uh, Heather was not too pleased about doing this scene with this guy. She wanted to actually do it with Dick DeRock. Um, Dick DeRock didn't want to uh, get out of the swamp thing thing because it just took an hour and a half to do so. So I convinced her to go with this guy, and we did it. We did it kind of in a nice misty Hallmark card kind of way. And um, it ended up being okay. I mean, we we didn't uh, belabor it. I think uh, I do a little um, stop motion, a little step framing here and there. And uh, Chuck's uh, love theme playing behind it really kind of really sells the moment. And of course, we pan back down, and it's all been a dream, or has it? And. Um, Love has been consummated between Swampy and Heather. As real as you want it to be. And she is happy about it. All right. Uh, 
I finally convinced Louis to kind of uh, mock himself a little bit. Everybody else was doing it here, and uh, uh, we had named the parrot Gigi after uh, one of Louis's uh, big hit films for MGM, probably one of his biggest films ever. And uh, in this scene, he actually does a, a parody of uh, the song he sang in Gigi. Am I a fool without a mind? Or have I merely been too blind to realize that I'm dealing with two idiots? Yes, sir. Probably his best moment in the picture. And here's Ace Mask, Mr. Mad Scientist, Tony Caesar, and uh, a couple of other people here. And uh, Ace is trying to figure out uh, if she'd look good with fins. Of course, he's he's just ad-libbing to the max here. And to Light Year's credit, um, they would see the dailies and make comments to me, but always um, with a nice approval. Uh, they liked a lot of the ad-libbing that the actors were doing. They thought the uh, film was coming along well. Um, this film was not made for a big budget. Um, I think the original Swamp Thing had a bigger budget, even though this looks bigger. Um, this had a very kind of a small budget. Uh, and it was a tribute to Lightyear, Rob King, Zoran Hochstetter, a number of other people who actually um, went the extra mile to make these sets and uh, make the picture look so, uh, so good. And um, this new um, 16 by 9 transfer uh, kind of really gives the film uh, the look I really originally intended to get. I shot this film actually with a 185 hard mat. So when they did the original um, video edition in 1989 over at Columbia TriStar, um, they had to do a pan and scan on it. Even though it was a flat film, uh, it required a, a pan and scan to get the full frame onto a uh, onto TV and when you push in on something like that it really goes kind of soft um, again the swamp uh, was not as pretty as this <laughs> at all uh, but thanks to Zorin's filters and, and, and great grading, grading filters and everything um, it was a uh, it was a, it was heaven. It looked like heaven on film. The smoke, um, the flowers, the colors. I mean, he was out there in the in the morning spray painting um, yellow flowers and 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 making the leaves look um, like it was fall. It was it truly amazing how he created a uh, a storybook swamp out of something that was. Uh, not so pretty. I got to the set one day early, and um, before all the crew and cast got there, and um, there was a rowboat out in the uh, Uncle Sheds, and I, I took a, a boat out into this swamp, and um, it was very haunting to be out in this swamp, even in the daytime. Uh, looking around and finding old gravestones with uh, markers and markers from 1800 
uh, and before, you know, like 1823, 1826. And all you could read was the actual date, the names, and what was said on the, on the gravestone had been washed away by, you know, decades of, you know, rain and uh, exposure to the elements. I got back from the boat, got up on the shore, and somebody uh, had just pulled into the fishing camp uh, with a little poodle. And uh, the little poodle was barking at the edge of the water, and suddenly a gator came up and took that poodle home for lunch. It was the most astonishing thing I ever saw. It looked like uh, it was done with the speed of light. And uh, I felt sorry for the family it happened to, but I realized, oh my God, these things are here and they're dangerous and they can be deadly. And of course, here are these two kids. They are um, looking for uh, Swamp Thing to take that picture. Little Danny has eaten all the good candy and ho-hos and Twinkies and everything and uh, left only an apple for Ron Rico, which is Upsetting. No kid wants to eat an apple when he could eat a ho-ho. Danny here was uh, in a road trip, which came out a couple years ago, I guess. Uh, and uh, he's still doing some acting down in Alabama where he lives. All these uh, orchids and uh, chrysanthemums and all these flowers were flown in um, daily to be put up, up in here. And they're, they're all real flowers for the most part, and they would be brought in from uh, um, Atlanta, certain, certain places driven in, and they'd come in early in the morning, and Rob and his boys would go out to the swamp and fix it up. Here comes my tribute to the old action movie, Walking Tall. Um, Joey Segal here, who plays Mr. Obnoxious in this film, um, is treating these kids very, very, very badly. He's stealing the little kid's camera. He's eating their apples. He's eating their food. And, uh, you know, Joey hated doing this. He was really a nice guy. He says, do you really want me to do this to these kids? And he did a really, really kind of a special job um, setting himself up for the fall here. But um, these, uh, these guys behind him are all top stunt guys, and when he takes this uh, whack to the face, it was uh, a lot of fun. And again, um, rather than see Swamp Thing always just punching people, I had him grab the kid's baseball bat and uh, go wild. This scene is almost pure ad-lib uh, with, the, with the kids. Uh, the only thing I had to get across was that they had the lens cap on, but uh, little Danny here is just and so enthusiastic about getting his picture taken with Swampy that all this seems real to him. And um, he, was only, he was only seven or eight at the time and uh, really kind of fell in love with Swamp Thing. So when he makes these little moves here, he says, uh, he kicks the bat, he actually says, thank you here. And you can hardly hear it, but, you know, he's, he was just, just, you know, in, in awe of this, this, this big creature. 
I spoke to him just last week, and um, again, he sent me he sends me a picture almost every uh, Christmas from, with his mom from his mom and him, and um, just to say hello and ask how things are. And uh, I told him they were doing the DVD of Swamp Thing. He's a big computer um, nerd like I am, and uh, we've been sending my emails back and forth, and um, he's still um, um, a good guy. Grew up to be a nice guy. Now, a word of warning to all directors and all stunt people who ever work with a airboat. Don't. Just don't. These things are the most unpredictable horrible things that ever have gone, you know, they're un uncontrollable. So uh, we had a big problem here. You can see where uh, when they're going on about two miles an hour like this, they're okay. But once they get going, there's no way to stop them. And uh, as you see, there was a big wave that washed over it here when it turned around. We had to cut away quickly and then um, redo this portion here. This is the area we all, where I also shot two uh, public service announcements for um, um, Green Earth. There was a, a situation where the, they wanted uh, to have Swamp Thing talk about keeping the planet clean, and uh, we kind of ad-libbed two um, TV promotional spots for the uh, Green Earth people. And uh, I never personally saw them. Um, until about a year later when uh, one ran at 4 o'clock in the morning where I live in Los Angeles. It was, uh, I was watching some late movie or something, and all of a sudden it came on. It's kind of fun to see it. And I believe they're included here on the uh, DVD. The reason we built this big house rather than just rent it was because um, the script called for it to blow up and uh, I'm a firm believer if you build it you can you have to blow it now here's something we, we did this scene basically because we were short um, they needed like 91 minutes or 92 minutes for their international version and when the film came in at 88 they said well shoot another extra scene with Joey and Monique and um, we shot this, and uh, it's where they compare scars and things. I think they, uh, we cut back outside, but when they come back to them, they're comparing scars. It's a scene that later got um, um, taken um, and done again by the Lethal Weapon people. Well, we did it first. Here's where the case where I said... Heather put something really hot on for this scene. She says, I've been wearing hot stuff the whole damn picture. I refuse to put another nightie on. I said, okay, all right, all right. And uh, she said, let me, wear, let me at least let me wear something comfortable that doesn't, doesn't show everything. And I said, okay. And uh, she'd been so uh, accommodating up to that point that I just said, put this little pink outfit on. And uh, she did. Very close to you. 
and this is another case where we had the laboratory, and we sa I said, well, eventually, I'm going to have Bob Shelley, who's done all these big special effects pictures. He's a, he's a practical effects guy. He is one of the top guys in, the, uh, in his field of blowing things up. And um, he spent, I believe, uh, an entire morning um, rigging this place with uh, explosives. And then we blew it all to hell. This is the scene where they do compare scars, which I, I'm not saying it was stolen, but somebody must have seen this picture over at Warner Brothers. I swear to God. Because this whole thing was just lifted and done, I think, by uh, the Lethal Weapon guys. But I have copied so many other great pictures that a thief who steals from a thief is pardoned for a thousand years. And that's uh, the way I look at it. Excuse me. Doesn't anybody knock around here? Comes the old Three Stooges gag. I had to do it. Except they didn't put a good kabonk on their head. That was the only take of that shot, and there was some sort of film flare on it, but they, I left it in, and I said, well, put up, we'll put a lightning uh, bolt on it. It'll seem like a storm lightning. So they left it in. Begging your pardon, Doc. This stuff is for Nancy boys. Besides, <laughs> I got my own toys. Think about what you're doing. I am. You're about to experience a unique feeling. You're going to be part of what gives life. To you. To me. It's for a good cause. Louis refused to call Monique by her name. Um, she was called Miss Poinsetta. And uh, everybody used her, called her, called her Points. And uh, he came to me and says, I will not call her Points. That is a, has a lot of sexual innuendo. I said, come on, Louis, it's, 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 your name is Poinsettia, you're calling your points. No, 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 this is uh, going to be uh, very taken as a sexual innuendo. At which point I opened my big mouth and I said, weren't you in a film called Octopussy? And, of course, that just ticked him off royal, and uh, um, I lost about ten brownie points and got two demerits. But he finished the picture. Comes one of my favorite cues that Chuck did for the movie, the the zapping of life here. It's sort of a big, uh, crazy uh, uh, thing. It's very uh, cartoony, but in a film like this, it kind of gets uh, gets by. Uh. Because you couldn't ever do this today. You'd be laughed off the screen if you did this today, but. You know, back then, and uh, with all the uh, other stuff going on in this picture, people accept it. While I was making this picture, I was also writing uh, Beastmaster 2, uh, which uh, I think went into production soon after we finished this show. I actually left this show uh, for a weekend to 
come back here to L.A. for the premiere of Not of This Earth in Los Angeles. Uh, we had a big premiere with Tracy Lords and a number of other people, and I just couldn't miss it. It was like we held it over 20th Century Fox. Um, Lightyear did also, did also, uh, also did a premiere for this in New York and here in L.A., um, but they were um, small premieres. They weren't anything like uh, the Not of This Earth premiere. This Jeep never worked. That's one shot. That's one shot. If you look carefully in the back here um, on your DVD, here you can actually see the shoulder of somebody pushing this vehicle. It's a little white shirt behind them there. And uh, it was just an atrocious vehicle. We, luckily, we got it to work twice. And uh, I was so happy to see this thing blown to hell. It was just a terrible thing. Vehicles can cost you so much time on a set. You know, you're just, you know, if, if it starts and works, that's fine. But if it doesn't and you're married to the, to the vehicle because you've seen it in other scenes, well, you just have to live with it and make it work somehow. So I believe that was myself and someone else pushing that vehicle for that uh, scene. Again, now, Louis refused to have makeup on, and uh, he was supposed to look younger and everything, but they, they would, he didn't want to have his hair dyed or anything like that. And... Uh, so this scene uh, doesn't work as well as it could have. We did the stuff on his hand to kind of show that uh, it hadn't worked and it had worked in reverse because he hardly looks any different here than he did when he got on that machine. But he absolutely stood fast to his thing about not putting any other special makeup on. And it's tough because, you know, he's, he's come from a, um, a long list of credits and, and uh, I, know, I know they paid him a lot to do this because he was in the first one and they couldn't make this one without him. I hated to kill Sarah Douglas, but the script demanded it. You had to hate Louis just a little bit more for doing this. And of course, Dick DeRock, Swamp Thing to the rescue. It's a little too late, though. Heather Locklear is uh, dead. Sarah Douglas is dead. And the one person you want to be, have be dead is alive. Even all the makeup on, you can see that Dick is totally angry here about the fact that Louie has taken Heather out of the picture. Stuntman, of course. And here comes uh, Rex Pearson. Saw him before, but now he's dressed up uh, like the Dr. Rochelle mutation. And off he goes. Anybody who's a big fan of the Outer Limits will know where I got uh, the idea for this creature. I loved that show when I was uh, growing up, and I said, well, bring me something like The Outer Limits, and um, the makeup guys really came through. They uh, delivered a top-notch monster. You see the head kind of bounce back and forth a little bit because these guys are really going at it. I don't know how they survived this thing because this, this, these guys are really kicking butt through this whole thing. I want to have them throw the whole thing into a... 
he had to jump off a platform to get in there, but we had it all set up. Though. And then, of course, the motion optics people jump in and start all the crazy uh, lightning electrodes going crazy. And um, this place is going up. It is going up. Zorn Hawks, they're hitting the color button, maxing it out. Um, we've all seen this scene before, but there's only like two minutes to uh, detonation. He shouldn't be uh, doing anything but getting his getting his butt out of there. But uh, he's gonna he's gotta commiserate. And Dick did a nice job there. A little sadness from from him. He did a really sweet job with this with this this role, especially under all that makeup. I, I believe this is the only piece of profanity in the movie, and I don't know how I let it slip in. He says, uh, "Oh shit," here or something. If I had to do over, I'd, I'd go back and fix it, but it's been a while. By the time this comes out, it'll be 15 years old. It, that's a while back. It's amazing how Heather Locklear almost looks the same today. Bob Shelley is hitting that uh, explosive big time. He's got this whole place rigged. I mean, there's a piece of explosive under almost every piece of fiberglass in that place, and um, we all had to run for our lives when uh, this stuff went off. The uh, interior here, I mean, every animal, bug, bird that was in this big hangar headed for the hills when this place exploded. And then uh, when we blew up the house portion on the outside, um, the explosion was heard for about 25 miles away. People who had their cars parked anywhere near that house had, uh, had damage. This place is going up like uh, a tinderbox. We were all outside. And the fire was, you know, mammoth here. We had uh, we, the fire was actually dying down because we started with a big fire, and then the, the, the glue would, would, would start to go down, uh, wear down. And the fire would go smaller. But during all these explosions here, um, we were all outside hearing all these massive kabooms, and it was pretty amazing. Here comes a big explosion. I was about a quarter of a mile away when that happened, and it still was mammoth. Things flew through the air for at least a quarter of a mile. Stuff came down. Maybe 30 seconds after the explosion, stuff was still raining down. Here's one of my favorite shots in the picture. It took a while to set up. The smoke had to be just right. I just wanted this scene of Swamp Thing carrying his dead love off into the swamp. And... Um, Soren took a while shooting it, but boy, it looked good. And of course, we need a happy ending. Um, and here it comes. I want to make sure everybody got uh, got what they wanted. 
In the original Swamp Thing, um, Swampy had brought Adrienne Barbeau back to life. So I figured, okay, here's the power. If he did it once, he can do it twice. And um, so we, we have him uh, bring Adrian um, Barbeau, uh, no, I'm sorry, Adrian Barbeau's uh, power back here and uh, revive Heather Locklear. You brought me back, didn't you? You brought me back. Well, yes, he did. And um, they wanted even a happier ending. She got, she gets, she gets up here, and when she gets up, she cuts, she gets up on another day. Um, I'll show you. The kids, of course, get their photo of um, of Swampy. They're, they're all talking about what they're going to get: Corvettes and and uh, Mercedes and all kinds of stuff. They've all already got the money spent. Anyway, uh, cutting back to the, them, uh, Lightyear wanted to reshoot the ending. So when she gets up here, she raises out of one frame, and you can tell when she gets up in the next frame, it's a different time and a uh, different place. Her hair is all done up perfect, and uh, they wanted to look perfect for this shot. So um, we did it again. This is actually a reverse shot. Uh, we um, uh, had the flower in a in a side piece of thing and pulled it in and then reversed the film and let the flower grow out of her foot. That's actually a comic book cover and I figured it would be the perfect way to end the movie. A little recap, there of course is the Louis Jordan. Um, and Heather. Um, I want to thank everybody who were watching. I hope you're um, drinking beer and eating popcorn and uh, uh, have enjoyed this uh, presentation of Swamp Thing. Uh, Return of Swamp Thing, that is. Um, stay tuned for the little epi super epilogue with the two kids, which we shot, I think it was the first thing we ever shot. I said, I put the two kids in front of the photo mat and said, uh, ad lib something in front of the photo mat like you left the lens cap on. And uh, it wasn't in the script, but they did it. And I, I didn't know where to put it, so I left it after the credits. Or I'll have, I think I have a credit start and then start goes down. You'll see. Anyway, Jim Wynorski, see you next time. Have a great one, and uh, I'll see you soon.